0: A very good morning again, family. It's yeah, a great privilege to share God's word today. Um, the verse and book that I chose is from Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one to verse three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and minds as we hear your word today. Use your word to challenge, to convict, and to live, so that we can live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a quick question before we begin. How many of you have heard about this website, Christian website, called Salt and Light. No, Not salt and pepper, salt and light. Okay, I see more hands than the first uh, first service in the morning. And indeed, as I was preparing this sermon, some of the articles really spoke to me. And, and one of them was on 2nd October. It's a title named, Is It a Waste When a Young Man Dies? Okay, can I repeat? Is It a Waste When a Young Man Dies? Three char- um. Young People was highlighted, Harold Tan, age 21, Andrew Hui, 32, and Elliot so recently passed away. And the article really just highlights their life and their stories. Elliot wrote in his goodbye message, Please feel at ease for me. I'm resting peacefully with God because of what Jesus has done for you. And I really hope I can see you there with God when the day comes. Andrew Hui organized a Thanksgiving service and even mastered all his energy to issue an invitation to anyone who wanted to know more about the joy of eternal life. He said to YMI, another Christian website, I want to encourage people to trust in God during the darkest point of their lives. Hours after the party, he took his last breath. He was only 32 years old, a year older than me only. Harold, who was the youngest of the three, mentioned by Saw and Light, is also a youth in Amokyo Methodist Church. Recently, even more recent, is a great man who went home to be the Lord, is Reverend Dr. Fred Seward, who has served God for 60 over years, came to Singapore as a missionary from the US, and they were church planters and pastors to different churches in Singapore. The next, the last great man I want to mention is Dr. Bobby Sung, former president of Bible Society of Singapore, died at the age of 83. Dr. Sung was highly involved in many boards of the parachurch organization in Singapore. These are indeed great men of faith who have finished the faith race well. Personally, I do not know any of them. I wish I did because they have inspired me and encouraged me to run my race, to run it well. I wish I could read out all the articles and stories, but of course time is a factor and limitation for me. But I hope that you can go back and just Google them and read them to be encouraged, to be inspired by their stories and their life. The Bible also gives us great examples of this cloud of witnesses. In Hebrews 11, we have Abel who brought a better offering than Cain. By faith, Abel was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. For before he was taken, he was commended as the one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Noah, another great person, was another man of faith as he warned about things not yet seen and in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Abraham, when, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And many more examples in the Bible, we have Jacob, Moses, Rahab, David, Samuel. These people have suffered for God. And we can read it in chapter 11, verse 36 to 38. Some faced jeer and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves, in holes in the ground. These men of faith faced impossible odds against them, unstoppable enemies in battles, but they still trusted in God, and God granted them victory and incredible deliverance. They witnessed God's miracles right before their eyes. They kept trusting in God's promises because they knew that God's promise will not disappoint them. And true enough, we read in the Bible, God came true for them. God delivered them from their unstoppable enemies. God delivered them from tragedy and even from persecution in some cases. But they enjoyed all these blessings or they were promised all these blessings except for one. For one of them, None of them enjoyed this. None of them enjoyed. Because all these great men did not see the sending of Jesus. They did not see that Jesus died for their forgiveness of sins. For their sins. But, and we see that in verse 39. Yet none of them received what had been promised. None of them get to see the Messiah on earth who died on the cross and was raised, to death, raised from the dead. Likewise, I mean, you and me, you look around, we didn't see Jesus on earth. We didn't see the physical, human side of Jesus. But what we see is God's pieces of His plan. We see the process. And that's more than the people in Hebrews chapter 11. Therefore, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus, we will never be disappointed. So as followers of Jesus, we see in Hebrews chapter 12, we have this great cloud of witnesses that is telling us we can do it as we have Jesus in our life. The word witnesses is not to say that these saints are merely watching us from far, but to say that they are near enough for us to watch them. Let me repeat, these saints are not merely watching us from far, but near enough for us to watch them. We are to look into the crowd and realize that every one of them has finished the race and then we are reminded, it can be done, we can do it, so can you. And that's the reminder to us, that's the encouragement to us that it can be done, it can finish well. If they can do it, if we can do it, so can you. They stand from the, the, the stands and Encourage us, new, new people. Encourage us to run the race. And so as we look at them, as we, as we see examples of their faith and their perseverance, we see that actually they have been through a lot. They have been through under every imaginable circumstances. For example, there's John the Baptist with his strange diet and bizarre wardrobe. And he finished well. There's John Mark the quitter who ran when Jesus was arrested and he finished. There's Mary the prostitute, and she finished. Stephen who was hated and stoned, he finished. Peter who denied Jesus and was crucified upside down, he finished. And obviously there were people that I just earlier on mentioned in the sermon. There's Elliot, Andrew, Harold, Reverend Dr. Fred Seward, and Dr. Bobby Sung, who I have just mentioned. And also people who you know, who are close to you, your loved ones, who you have seen, Fighting that, f- that the race finishing well. Your it could be your friends, it could be your family members, grandparents, uncle, aunties, people you know so well and so close to you. So the question is today is how can we run this race and finish well? How can we do that? And the Bible states three things for us to run and finish well. The first is throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that is so easily entangles. The second is to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. The third is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So, like this woman next in the next slide, to avoid paying for baggage charge, you know, excess baggage when you when you fly, she wore 2.5 kg of clothes. And guess how many how many layers of it, how many sets is approximately 10 sets of clothes just to avoid paying the extra surcharge would you wear like this lady here and run a race surely not right you would not be so foolish or silly to do that or would you wear something like the next the next photo where the runner broke the 2 hours marathon record something like something easy to to wear and so that he can run the the race. Here I'm just trying to illustrate that we need to strip ourselves of unnecessary weight to run our race. And why is that so? We need to to strip it so that we can run it in the most optimal manner, the best manner possible, that that will not hinder us from running this race. These long-distance runners, they work hard to build their endurance and, and strength on race day, their clothes are light, their bodies are lean, definitely not like mine now. These runners are careful not only in removing unnecessary weight, but also in be careful to put on the amount of weight. Which is reminded that they cannot lose too much too, because they will not have the muscle and the strength to complete the race. Likewise, they also need to be careful of what they are putting on. As they run this race, these runners have to be mindful of it. Likewise, for us, we also have to mind, be mindful of the amount of sin that, is put, that we put on or that we put on, on on our lives in our lives. For example, for me, um, having a smartphone is also a distraction in my life, and going on social media is, is something that is common and, and it's a distraction. So I can be on Instagram and just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling on and on and on, and it was, it's a very time-wasting experience. I mean, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, we've been on it. The younger ones, we're always on it. Um, to be connected. And sometimes I, I I try to bluff myself or try to comfort myself in saying, that, oh, no, sometimes I'm just reading Christian articles, like the Salt and Light articles, Why Am I, Christianity Today. So technically, I'm working. La, okay, so I make myself feel better about it. But the truth is, it's only a fraction of time that I spend on the social media and on my smartphone. So I, what I had to do is I decided to activate screen time. So basically, screen time works that you can you can set it that the total amount of time on social media is limited. So for example, I limit myself to 45 minutes in a day, the combined time. Um, so when the time is up, after 45 minutes, be it where I spend on Facebook or on Instagram, the app shuts me out from it. I cannot access it anymore. Then you're wondering, oh, you got the passcode, right? You just enter the passcode and then you're back in again. And what's the big deal, you know? But the truth is, I get I ask my wife to set the passcode. Right? So it's a different code from my login code. So it's it's actually quite a good thing because it reminds me, oh, I have five minutes left or how many minutes left, you know. So that sets me from the distractions and take me away because my time is limited. My time is limited on this. Um, so these are practical things that I put in my life to, to stop me from the distractions, you know, to limit it. I'm not trying to say that social media is is a sin, but what I'm trying to say is that anything that pulls me away from God and His commands can be viewed as a sin, can be viewed as a weight in my life as I run this race. So we as as fellow runners, we need to re- evaluate, you know, think think thoroughly through what is hindering you in your in your race, your own race. So for example. Social media can be disguised as something good or beneficial for us at the beginning. You know, to be connected, to reconnect with long lost friends. To know what's happening um, in, in society today. But it also can divert us from our relationship with God. So we should be, really be careful on it. And I'm sure there are many more other examples in your life that you can connect with, you can think about. So to put it simply, we should be careful not to accumulate too many things in life. We should be extra mindful to not allow devices or gadgets to distract us from what's truly important in life. So putting away these things are important and and that's certainly the step and the thing we need to think about. But the second thing is to run with perseverance. It's an action that requires effort. No runner in a marathon or triathlon can expect to win without determination, without endurance, or even without pressing to the end. Despite the difficulties, there will be difficulties in the race. The idea of endurance is used several times by Paul. In Philippians 1.30, it refers to his suffering. In Colossians 2.1, to his striving on behalf of the Colossians. In 1 Thessalonians 2.2, to the opposition he encountered in the preaching of the gospel. And in 1 Timothy 6.12 and 2 Timothy 4.7, to fight the faith. Both the writers in Hebrews and Paul calls us to run the race with endurance. We need to know that this race is not an easy race. Christianity is not an easy path. But it is a race that is set up before by God to us and for us. It is actually also a personalized race if you see it that way. His path that He set before you is for you and you alone. So don't look around and, and, oh, the other person, and start comparing. So if you really want to compare the path ahead of you, compare it to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Because each of us have a path to run that God has set out for you and you. It might be slightly different from your spouse, your family, your friends, your fellow church members. So I pray that you don't look left and right, but focus on the path ahead of you. Because it's an individual path that we are all called to run. So to do so, we we need to start with the renewing of our minds. And that starts the process of it. Because are we willing to put in effort and determination to run this Christian race? So we need to ask ourselves these questions. How rugged is your determination to run this Christian life? Are you willing to take up the cross and follow Jesus no matter what the circumstances and situations you are in? Or are you a fair-weathered friend to Jesus, wanting only His blessings not to suffer for Him. Thirdly, after the re- to renew our minds, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, which also can be translated as looking to Jesus. It implies a definite looking away from others and directing our eyes to Jesus. So for example, are you able to look at the screen and at the back of the, either the sanctuary or at the cinema door at the same time? Definitely not. You can't look at both places at the same time. Simultaneously, you can't do that. So we are asked to fix our eyes to focus on Jesus and Jesus alone and not to fix on two locations at the same time. Also in my research, as, as I was looking through this, this topic, the, the writer in Hebrews wants us to focus on Jesus, to highlight the humanity of Him. He wants us to highlight that because Jesus was human when He went to the cross. He suffered for us. He felt the pain. He felt the humiliation. He felt all, all these things that we will feel. So if we need a target to focus on, why not we focus on Jesus? Which is the perfect example of humanity. He Himself, in His human form, suffered all this so that we can just fix our eyes on Him and Him alone. At times when you are, you are tired from school or from work, we all look forward towards a break, right? A long weekend, a, a trip on a holiday, a nice exotic place. And the writer in Hebrews also knows that his readers will lose heart. you will be tired, you will be weary, you will be discouraged. In our lives today, maybe it's a tough situation at home. Uh, a family member needs long-term care. Uh, children are getting more rebellious and ruder. Their grades are failing. You worry that they are mixing the wrong company, like in the video, the youth video that was shown just now. Parents with young children are perpetually tired. And you ask them, "How are you feeling?" "Oh, I'm tired." Their holidays are coming, or even here, and they worry and they are stressed for how to occupy the the time of their kids, how to keep them occupied and engaged. With all these things happening, and then we call out to God, "God, where are you?" You know. And it seems near, near impossible. It seems hard to hear from God because we don't even hear a single word from Him. And in these situations, fixing your eyes on Jesus is tough and even near impossible. But My prayer is that today as you hear the word and you witness that cloud of witnesses in your life, may you be encouraged, may you be lifted up as you turn your eyes on Jesus, and I just ask for a a practical thing, as you come in, either to the sanctuary or to the cinema hall, where are you looking at? What's the first thing that you fix your eyes on? Is it your usual seat? Or in in the cinema or the sanctuary, is it where the air convent is because you don't want to sit somewhere that is too cold? Or too obvious? You know, you want to come in and come out. You know, where do you fix your eyes when you first enter the sanctuary or the cinema? Can I ask that you fix your eyes on the cross? be the century, the wooden cross, or in the cinema, the, the cross that is in front of you. Fix your eyes on that because that will allow God to speak to you and refresh you in this, in this time, in the situation that you are in. Today as we partake Holy Communion later on, it's also an opportunity for you to fix your eyes on Jesus, to allow Him into your life, to allow Him into your situation. and Just truly depend on Him totally. in ending is I would like to show a, a old video um, some of you might have watched it before it's about a father pushing his son as he runs marathons or triathlons his name is Dick Hoyt indeed this is uh, touching and inspiring video about the father's love for his son to run the marathons and the triathlons and, but God's love for us is, is bigger than the father in the video, Dick Hoyt and indeed there are many lessons to learn from this video, too many to list but one thing that really spoke to me was, if you can remember how did they end their race how did they end their race if I were to run a, a marathon or a triathlon now or even 2.4, I think when I run I will collapse or my tongue will be touching the floor or, you know, it's, it's tough but they end strongly, they end well they end victoriously and, and triumphantly, and they celebrated when they end. And if, if God is like Dick you know, pushing us by His grace through life's race, and we are like the sun, you know, sometimes in our situations, in our life, you know, we we feel that we are hopeless. We feel that like, you know we are in the pits. You know, where is the light at the end of this tunnel? And we can't do much, and we may even be a hindrance to God's work. But yet God the Father delights to have us finish the race. So press on friends, so persevere on, endure, because God is pushing us in this journey towards the end. So to end, I think we need to read out, we would like to you to read out this affirmation of our faith. One, two, three. As we continue this race of life and faith, Let us remember we have a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Let us run this race with as little cumbrances as possible, remembering that this individual race requires determination and endurance. And finally, let us run this race, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Let us pray. Loving Father, as we run the race that you have set out before us, help us to run with the endurance help us to run with the determination help us to run with the love that you have given to us that we will push on we will persevere and we will fix our eyes on Jesus as we run Lord and no matter the situations we are in our eyes are just locked on to Jesus knowing that he is the perfecter and the author of our faith so Lord help us Lord in this journey of our faith in Jesus name we pray amen